We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to The Truth Perspective on the Soft Radio Network, the world for people who think. Today is Saturday, October 10th, 2015, and welcome back to The Truth Perspective, everyone. I'm your host, Elon Martin, and with me in the studio today is Shane Lachance. Hi, everybody. Meg McDonald. Hello. And Karen Nicholson. Howdy. The theme of today's show is propaganda and cognitive bias, the battle for your mind. As we follow the recent actions of Russia in Syria, among other stories making the news, we notice a fierce information war being fought across the media spectrum in the West. In recent weeks, Western media shills have been using all propagandistic tools in their book to get us to think that Russia is wrong for the position it has taken and seems to be sparing no technique or method to bolster its own agendas. But how are they doing this? Basically, whether they have conscious awareness of what they are doing or not, the Western media has been employing every cognitive bias that they know we have or might have to shift the narrative of world events to their vision of what we're seeing. They are not above outright lies and manipulations, but some of these lies and manipulations are much subtler than others. They are also well-delivered, include difficult-to-verify data, and are so well-produced and packaged in some cases that the immensities of the lies being perpetrated are flabbergasting once you know their lies. So basically we have uh, this idea of cognitive bias. It refers to a systematic pattern of deviation from norm or rationality and judgment, says Wikipedia, whereby inferences about other people and situations may be drawn in an, in an illogical fashion. Individuals create their own subjective social reality, quote unquote, from their perception of the input. An individual's construction of social reality, not the objective input, may dictate their behavior in the social world. Thus, cognitive biases may sometimes lead to perpetual distortion, inaccurate judgment, illogical interpretation, or what is broadly called irrationality. Very applicable to what we're seeing, I think. Some cognitive biases are presumably adaptive, Cognitive biases may lead to more effective actions in a given context. Furthermore, cognitive biases enable faster decisions when timeliness is more valuable than accuracy, as illustrated in heuristics. heuristics. Other cognitive biases are a byproduct of human processing limitations, resulting from a lack of appropriate mental mechanisms found in rationality or simply from a limited capacity for information processing. And there is a kind of a, a list of some of the most basic um, or predominant cognitive biases that are known to us. Uh, researchers have identified uh, bias arising from processes that are sometimes difficult to distinguish, and they include 
information processing shortcuts, heuristics. So we've talked a little bit uh, here on the Truth Perspective in past shows about uh, the System 1 and System 2 um, illustrated in the book Thinking Fast and Slow, and we'll get into that a little bit today. There's also mental noise, the brain's limited information processing capacity, emotional and moral motivations, social influence, and uh, and a few others that we'll be discussing in the context of some news stories that we've been seeing. Well, you know, I think um, these uh, this this whole cognitive bias thing is is pretty fascinating because you know it really provides uh, a structure where we can understand how you know people in positions of power, pathological types, uh, even in you know more. Uh, social uh, atmospheres and, you know, even at the family level, um, you know, how these people can influence us because it seems that, you know, these things are kind of innate in us and we're basically just being taken advantage of by um, by engaging in the system one. This is automatic type thinking. And, and yeah, like, uh, like you were saying, Juan, you know, there's lots of stuff in the news uh, these days. Um, you know, with uh, with Russia going into Syria, um, you know, initially, right when when Russia went in, um, the first day, I think we were talking about it uh, last week, and you know, the first uh, the first response was, uh, you know, Russia is killing civilians, and and then they came out and said, oh, Russia is killing our guys, you know, the, our our uh, the the forces that we've supported and you know i think after that there was like media silence for at least like three days like they didn't there was nothing on yahoo news associated press um you know reuters uh any any of the mainstream sources they weren't talking about what was actually going on you know they might have had a news story here or there from you know donald uh, donald trump or you know, some politicians saying something, but they weren't covering what was happening. And, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder if uh, they had to retreat a little bit to just figure out, you know, what what message we're going to put out there, mm-hmm. which was really just more of the same. You know, there's no, and, and that's kind of the thing with these guys, you know, there's, they have no creativity. So, you know, they're just going to be rehashing, you know, the, the same techniques that, uh, that they've been using. Um, well, I think what we saw was a, a deep state of shock mm-hmm. and, and disbelief. You know, the ball's on this guy. Who the hell is he to mess with our agenda in Syria? And um, and so, you know, for those few days, I think, uh, they were just getting their, their bearings. And um, But I, I think we can all be very happy to see that they're they're back in their uh, uh, back in their groove. They're they're tracking. They're they're coming up with all kinds of new, uh, wonderful, uh, incredible lies uh, in every direction. Uh, some of it, you know, as we said at the top of the show, is really subtle and and sophisticated. Uh, some of it is just uh, incredibly uh, just <laughs> out of nowhere. I don't know how else you would you would describe. Oh, blatant and stupid. 
One of the things I think was going on in that blight uh, of uh, information um, was this commitment to consistency because um, part of propaganda and part of part of you know any kind of party line message is to kind of say the same thing over and over again and give you know have all these kinds of examples of why this particular fallacy or this particular idea is is true. And um, people will keep believing it as long as the message is consistent. But if you've got a really big change of events, you've got you know, overturn of the idea, then you know how do you how do you keep the consistency of your message and keep your audience? So there's you know I think that was understandable that they were you know kind of stumped at the at the starting line there. Well, you know you've just described Goebbels' big lie. I mean, you you repeat uh, something um, enough times, and it it becomes part of the thinking. Uh, and Hitler, as much as said, you know, the, the bigger the lie, the more effective it is, because people can imagine, um, you know, small lies. Everyone is, has had some experience uh, making small lies, mm. but the big preposterous, uh, incredibly uh, injurious lies. You know, normal people just don't have a an experience of of perpetrating. Yeah, it would, it would break down basically the entire structure that they've built in um, you know in the belief in the system. A big lie is something that challenges that, and you know people don't want to tear apart the whole world. I mean, that's that's basically you know, it, this this psychopathic reality is that we're living in. You know, everybody's very comfortable, and you know, to to start start to deconstruct that, you know, it's a process and it's a painful process that you know people really don't want to endure. You know, when when we were talking a little bit before the show about um, how all this works, and we were discussing Kahneman System One and System Two, it occurred to me that, um, well, just to kind of recap that idea. Uh, you know, system one is kind of the automatic, fast thinking, default thinking, emotional um, place that our mind goes uh, to come up with answers for things and to take actions based on those answers. Uh, system two requires um, some metacognition. Uh, it requires reflection upon the facts and critical thinking. And, um, you know, when you just mentioned psychopathic reality chain it you know system one is the psychopathic reality i think that it taps into the psychopathic reality because it seems that you know no matter if there were psychopaths or not we'd probably still have this the system one mm -hmm. but it's it's been so used um, you know, it, and you know, the stress of living in uh, psychopathic reality, you know, people want to just retreat and not have to think. So what happens then is others do the thinking for them, and then, you know, the world goes crap. But it's also um, because we live in a really complex and fast-moving world, um, you know, we we want stereotypes, we want the rule of thumb, we want to respond without thinking, we want to be told what what it is we're supposed to be thinking and if it you know if it all kind of is presented semi-logically and connected and messages is you know over and over again you know why you know most people will just go to that default 
Yeah, and when it's being supplied, you know, and you don't have to actually think about things. Then we're we're so efficient. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, one of the uh, one of the kind of um, elements of this is mental noise. Um, there is so little out there to help people uh, distinguish their mental noise from information and ideas and thought processes that they might learn to uh, grow, um, that mental noise seems to be the, the kind of rule of thumb, uh, which is why on any given day when you go to, say, a Yahoo News site, um, you know, the, the first story might be uh, Kim Kardashian's new see-through dress. And then a few articles later, uh, Putin's imperialistic designs on Syria. And so you know, you're, you're kind of three or four steps removed from having an objective piece of information about uh, the incredible things that are happening right now in, in our world. Well, it's kind of the uh, us against the world type thing. You know, it, it really splits people into different camps and um you know maybe there is something i think in most biases um you know there is some seed of truth uh that probably you know could be utilized and developed and, and grown uh similar to uh you know Dabrowski's multi-levelness you know if 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 you can take the seed of something and make it grow um, and, you know, by questioning and, you know, putting it through uh, this, this critical thought process and emotionals, uh, emotional thought process, or emotional process, then, you know, that, that can uh, help those things develop. And um, with this us against the world thing, you know, maybe there is something where um, that relates to uh, our, you know, tribal um uh, aspects of of uh, society where you know we can uh, grow and develop within you know a, a community. However, that's really been distorted. Um, you know, you can see it in uh, sports teams. You know, people have their team that they root for, um, Democrats or Republicans. You know, this is everything is defined by uh, who they, you know, uh, who they're rooting for and, you know, their team. And, you know, it's it's in America as a whole. And, you know, we see how much damage this, this type of thinking does because um, it really blocks um, this, you know, it, it blocks reality, really. Uh, you know, in, in Nazi Germany, you know, people were so consumed by the patriotism uh, that, they couldn't see past the the lies and you know what was coming in. It was just all this 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 fervor. Well, Shane, you know how I think we can kind of reduce uh, the sense of community in the United States to just a few words. You want to hear them? Sure. Yes. USA, USA, <laughs> USA. Flag, 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 flag. <laughs> I mean yeah. that 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 is the the default kind of uh, community. Uh, sense, or rather, what a real community sense has been replaced with, mm-hmm. essentially, and I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, and that's that's the irony too, because you know it, when we you know we have this this uh, 
this patriotic fervor, like I was saying, but really, you know, there's no community. You know, it, that's being completely broken down. So, you know, it's a it's a mixed bag. But, um, you know, I, I think getting back to, um, you know, what what those seeds are in in these biases, and you know, learning to distinguish how they're corrupted and um, just utilized on this, you know, very base level. Uh, can help a lot, and that's kind of the basis of the show is is trying to uh, pinpoint or just discuss uh, how um, the media and you know our politicians are are taking advantage of those things. Well, you know, I I kind of consider myself a little lucky. Uh, in college, I took a philosophy class with a guy named Andrew Capaldi, and uh, it's a testament to how impressed I was with this class that I still remember his name. But uh, anyway, he had a book called The Art of Deception. And uh, in the book, all it was was logical fallacies and how they work. And he gave little examples of them. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have the book with me. I don't have it anymore. But um, it was uh, it was kind of one of those um, seed books that uh, that kind of planted the idea. Uh, maybe I was already aware of it on some level. But um, just the idea that people's arguments can be filled with lies and fallacies, um, but there's a certain number of people who will just accept them. And um, and I think one of the things we'll do today is is kind of go over a lot of those lies, uh, how what forms they take, and um, and not accept them, especially given. Uh, a lot of the context in which they're presented. You're talking about uh, things like um, having an expert say something in an article, and the, just because they have a title or they have some kind of qualification that adds more weight to their statement, they, they seem to be a credible source, so it triggers uh, in people kind of an, uh, an obedience to authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a, a more or less an automatic response, and so we take the, the information at face value, and we add that into our mix of how we define and determine things. Yeah, that that uh, authority issue is a, a big one, and I think speaks to you know just uh, just how authoritarian uh, American society has become, um, and Western society as a whole. Um, but I was uh, um, I was looking up this CNN uh, issue. Uh, so, so I'm sure people know on Wednesday, uh, Russia had uh, fired you know around uh, 26 or 30 missiles um, into Syria, and uh, it was from the Caspian Sea, so it traveled over uh, Iran and, and Iraq uh, into Syria, and. So the next day, the next morning, um, you know, the CNN or CNN came out with uh, these reports, uh, saying that uh, four of the Russian missiles crash landed somewhere in uh, Iran, and uh, it was a total joke because I mean they they use this this uh, this fallacy of you know, th- this appeal to authority, um, but even even that. Was was pretty pathetic because it's just you know these two unnamed sources 
And, you know, people are supposed to just accept that these two unnamed sources say that somewhere in uh, Iran, Iran, these missiles crashed. You know, they don't know where. They don't know the time. Uh, they don't know what damage was caused. They don't know what was hit. You know, uh, despite you know, the United States having, you know, this incredible, incredible um, satellite imagery and, and surveillance, you know, none of that data is available. Well, why? Because, you know, it's a bunch of horse hockey. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what does that, what does that enable uh, the U.S. Western propaganda media organ to do? They... You know, they put the story out. They even have people in the interview say, well, we don't know shit about it, but uh, some people are saying it happened. And it just puts the idea out there that Russia missed its target. That's, that's the takeaway message. Uh, there'll never be a retraction. Mm-hmm. There'll never be more information provided to qualify the story. It's just Russia missed its target. And what does that really mean? They've already demonized Russia, so it just reinforces that idea. And Iran, you know, Iran's evil. Who cares if they got accidentally bombed? I mean, they closed the, I guess, closed the loop on it, you know, just. Right. And uh, Russia is, uh, Russia ain't all that. Look, they're missing their target. Um, yeah, their their technology's outdated, and you know they don't know what they're doing. Uh, meanwhile, the United States hasn't been effective in you know over a year at the beginning of Syria. But never mind that. You know we're not going to talk about that. Right. Um, yeah, and you know it's it's interesting how when a story is put out like this, you know there might be some acknowledgement that acknowledgement that you know it's not confirmed. Uh, there's no official sor- uh, sources that state this, but. Then you have, you know, a whole slew of other um, agencies and um, from the mainstream media who will pick up the story and just put the headline that Russia, you know, misses its mark and hits Iran you know, without the 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 full information that you know this is just from two unnamed sources and that it's not confirmed. So they just run with this headline, and then it just gets spread from there. And then you, somehow it'll come back to the State Department, and the State Department will say at some, you know, one of their press conferences, oh, well, you know, Russia didn't hit, you know, they, they never hit, uh, they didn't hit all their targets in, in, in Syria. They had, they had it downed in in, uh, in Iran. And so now an official, now there's official confirmation. Killer <laughs> proof. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the, so like, one of the uh, biases that was mentioned was the brain's limited information processing capacity. So, you know, it's enough for someone to just read the headline, as you mentioned, Shane, and that's it. Yeah. That's the end of the story. The, the, the seed of the idea that Russia is weak uh, has been uh, introduced and, uh, and that's all that, that seems to be necessary. So that, that's one way in which um, misinformation and perception gets created. Yeah, we were actually talking about that the other day, about um, how people just go based on headlines. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's actually reading the articles anymore. You know, it's uh, you see a headline on Facebook, and, oh, you know, that confirms my, my previous bias, so I'll just uh, go with that and run with it. 
Well, you had a, a great quote from uh, one of the defense ministers of Russia in your article, I think, um, that was a kind of response to this uh, this story of, of the bomb hitting, the four bombs hitting Iran. Well, I think you're talking about the quote from the Russian defense ministry. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a uh, pretty spot on. Uh, it was from um, Major General uh, Kanashikov, and uh, he said, "No matter how unpleasant and unexpected for our colleagues in the Pentagon and Langley, of yesterday's high precision strike on Islamic State infrastructure in Syria, the fact remains that all missiles launched from our ships have found their targets." Um, and you know, that that he's he's really you know pointing out that this these two unnamed officials talking to the CNN you know it's basically a a psyop from the Pentagon Langley. Uh, there, there's actually a, a, several other quotes too uh, that you know were coming out of uh, Iran um, and and in, in their media uh, you know both from. Yeah, from, from basically from all ends, uh, just saying that you know this is basically uh, just another. It, it's part of the information war that the, the West is waging on Russia, and you know it, it's it's really uh, exemplary in just demonstrating how uh, when the United States is in this reactive position, it's going to be making these stupid mistakes, saying these stupid things, and just further exposing themselves. Um, you know, more and more. Well, you know, that, that kind of, um, that kind of reminds me of, um, there was an article just posted, uh, this morning to SOT and, um, the gist of it, uh, or some of it was that there's an incredible amount of, um, social pressure that, um, that people don't even, they're not even aware of consciously. And uh, the way it works is that, you know, you have this one idea, for instance, you know, Russian aggression, Russian imperialism. And it's so strong that uh, to challenge it uh, with real information, uh, independent thinking, critical thinking, uh, is to literally feel like you're going against the whole stream of um of thought. And no one wants to be the outsider. No one wants to feel like they're going against the stream. It's 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 difficult. Uh especially when you're surrounded by a lot of other people who are falling into the same kind of uh trap. Um so uh th- there is that as well, this kind of unconscious pressure to conform to uh, what those in authority are, are saying and putting out there. Yeah, it kind of ties into um, this availability heuristic that, you know, the media has such dominance, um, you know, over the information that's put out to, to people. And, you know, it's able to, you know, just be the driving force in what people know and don't know. And they can put these messages out over and over and over again it doesn't matter how you know, true or false they are. It's just that they're saying this message over and over again, like we were saying with the big lie. And you know, one of the really ridiculous things that you know the, the media keeps bringing up is all these associations between the Soviet Union 
and Russia. Yeah, um, I don't know how many times I've seen in the past week comparisons to uh, the Soviet invasion in Afghanistan and how they got bogged down and you know just got they weren't able to to uh, to basically do anything or make any um, real successful uh, movements and uh, it's it's pretty hilarious considering. You know, when you look at what Russia's doing in Syria and how quickly uh, they're accomplishing their goals, uh, Putin is not uh, a Soviet-era leader. He's the new Russia, mm-hmm. and he's doing incredibly amazing things. And the thing is that you know, it, it's not um, he's not he's not able to do this just uh, for the moment type thing. He's been planning and working and doing these things ever since he's uh, been in position of power. Uh, right when uh, he was uh, appointed prime minister, um, you know, he he was he fully engaged in the Chechen war, and the same tactics he's using then, he's using now. You know, it's um, it, it, there's there's it, there's a, a really rich and informative history here, and Americans have no idea. You know what it is. So I mean, and, and that's that's the other part too. You know, it's it's easy to um, just fall into these cognitive biases and these, this faulty thinking when there isn't any kind of accurate knowledge of, of history. You know, you're not using your brain. You you don't have um, the the information to work with. So it's easy to to basically manipulate and shape people. You know, there was a, a piece in the New York Times um, that came out shortly before uh, Putin's speech at the UN, and uh, this was just when kind of the world was getting used to the idea that it was uh, building up its base in Syria and, and Latakia, and um, and not really putting out all this information. Um, anyway, you know, you had some people kind of coming out knowing something was up, obviously, and, and that uh, Russia was going to take some some action in that area and uh this one article um it just it just floored me uh you know the 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 writer i think he was either you know with the bookings institution or or one of these other you know think tanks um and it said so right at the bottom of the article uh you know he said um basically you know let them bleed uh about russia Hmm. And and getting back to what you were saying, Shane, about um, you know Afghanistan and, and what an awful kind of uh, protracted ten year conflict that was between the Soviets and and uh, the kind of U.S. propped up um, Afghani's. Um, you know his point was, uh, yeah, Russia, you're going into Syria now. You you want to have a repeat of Afghanistan? Go ahead. Just bleed, and um, you know it, it was just another dimension of of this you know of the sour grapes uh, kind of um, you know oh you, know, you want to do that you know okay go ahead you're just gonna fail anyway you're gonna do it just like in Afghanistan you'll see and everybody you can just you can just think about it that way you can just you know assume that. That Russia is still the Soviet Union and still wants to dominate areas, and 
and they'll just mess up like they did before. Well, the um, something that we see over and over again too is that is these um, talking heads are are projecting what the United States, how the United States thinks onto Russia. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're saying that. Russia, you know, wants to reassert itself over, uh, you know, on, on the on the global scene, and um, kind of I, I saw saw this one article by this uh, guy named Derek Shalat, and uh, it's a it's from Defense One, which is you know pretty blatant propaganda, and uh, his whole shtick is. Uh, that Russia will fail in Syria. Uh, the title of his article is "Don't Chase Putin Out of Syria. Let Him Fail on His Own." Uh, he starts off by saying, "Putin is no chess master. He overstretched. He overstretched and misstepped in Syria, and the U.S. would be wiser to wait him out rather than chase him out." So, you know, this is this is hilarious because uh, overstretching and misstepping is exactly what the United States has been doing, and we see this time and time again how you know the the pathological nature is is basically being projected out onto onto Russia to demonize it and if people knew uh just looked at, at what the united states has done i mean even in the past 2 years the last year the last month i mean jesus mm-hmm. it's it's really appalling um just look at what we're doing i mean Take off the blinders. Uh, it's 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 really absurd um, to 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 see to see this stuff and, and that people eat it up. I mean that that's that's what really gets you going because a lot of people still do eat this stuff up. Why would why would they even say that about Russia? If, you know, if it hadn't already been exemplified by the United States or the, the Western, you know, cadre, because. You know, why would you even think of it? Why would you even think to say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of maybe they you know they're reading analysis online of uh, you know what the alternative news is saying and like oh well that that was a that was a good statement let's use that. Yeah. Um, well, these are you know these are uh, talking points that uh, that get um, embedded in people's minds without even realizing it. Um, you know, it's like uh, I was once talking to someone about uh, something I had read. I was, I was talking to a, a guy and his wife, and um, you know, I was talking about the war on terror or something. And uh, at some point, she just blurted out, "You know, you read that on the internet? Uh-huh. You can't, you can't believe anything you read on the internet." And it was so automatic. Uh, it was so uh, programmed. Um, that you know, it, it almost effectively shut down the conversation. The, the husband was a lot more, um, you know, open to listening, and uh, you know, it, it's just this kind of idea that um, that gets regurgitated uh, with with no kind of reflection or thought. Well, it, it's kind of, it, it, and there's so many different biases that are involved in you know, these various various dynamics and you know a lot of them i think you know are associated with each other um but that one kind of reminded me of the confirmation bias which is um you know you you tend to think so in uh you are not so smart 
David McCraney. He he has these lists of all these different biases, and he starts off with the misconception and then states, you know, what the truth is. So the misconception of the confirmation bias is that your opinions are the result of years of rational, objective analysis. The truth is your opinions are the results of years of paying attention to information that confirmed what you believed while ignoring information that challenged your preconceived notions. So with the example that you gave you on, you know, we can easily dismiss information, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, because it was on the internet, you know, you can't trust that. I mean, so if it's on CNN, you know, we can trust that. No. Um, yeah, it's it's a uh, it just ties in and then then that ties in with like the uh authority uh bias, you know, the uh, thinking that, you know, since an authority says this, we can trust them. Well, you know, a prime example is, is in our uh, political campaigns. Um, it, we have candidates in election, and we believe our choices, and we discount, you know, the, the opponent. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, we have, a, we have a caller on the line. Um, just go to the caller. Uh, caller, are you Hello. there? Yes, this is Jonathan. Hello, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Jonathan. Oh, hey, Jonathan. You How you doing? Hi, Jonathan. I'm, I'm, I'm doing very well, and um, I'm enjoying your uh, topic today. And um, I would just go back and say, uh, you know, from my perspective, um, I don't find I don't I don't find um, terms like subjective or objective um, very uh, useful. And I'm not saying that they, they're without value. I just don't find them useful for my particular uh, conceptualization of the world and um, game plan, um, you know, etching out the uh, broad contours of where I would like to move. I believe, um, I really also believe that deep down, um, almost everybody knows deep down that, uh, like, for example, they, they suspect for example, that the United States has been supporting ISIL. Now, you will, you will have people that won't bring that that thought to the forefront of their conversation and their ego identification because of fear. Um, if you were to come out and say something that so um, incredibly and forcefully contradicted the official narrative, you could lose your job. You would be on the outs with your friends and social circle, but I believe um, I believe that deep down, people really really kind of suspect deep down that you know something that's um, a semblance of what you could call truth. And um, I know that sounds very uh, that sounds kind of outlandish, but um, I believe that's actually the case. And um, yeah, I don't think it's outlandish. I mean, when you look at how you know uh, the NSA has released you know all this information, um, how it's come out that you know we're they're spying on everybody, and then the Abu Ghraib you know photos came out. You know, I, I don't think that it was just accidental. Um, I think you know those things can be used to. Show you know um, Americans you know don't you know don't stand up and, and question us because this is the kind of stuff that we can do to you. Yes, and, and uh, I also 
I have these like little epiphanies that aren't really like, you know, something grand and profound, but just for myself and my own subjectivity. Like, for example, I was just thinking one day about the drones, you know, and like, wow, it just, it just hit me like, wow, every time they send up a drone to get the quote unquote bad guy, they actually know that they're very likely more often than not to kill innocent civilians. And it's like, wow. And you know what? Everybody else can just look prima facie situation um, and they could come to the exact same conclusions. And um, that functions as a way of like communicating like, wow, we're, we're above the law. You know, we're going to do this. And uh, Hey, I dare you to call what we're doing terrorism. Um, Cause if you mm-hmm. do, you're going to, you're going to stand out. You're going to likely lose your job and people are going to look at you, um, you know, in, in a, they're going to look at you in, in, a, in the context of uh, their fear, and they're, but they're but they're totally they are totally um, also on the same page as you are. They're just not going to take the next step and call what we're doing with respect to the drones a form of state terrorism. And um, so I think that you know, for example, the other thing that y'all mentioned. Um, which I thought was very interesting is the, uh, the idea that from the Caspian Sea, Russia launched 28 or 29 missiles, and it went across the territory of uh, Iran, and then um, four of them crashed, according to unnamed um, government authorities. Right. So um, mm-hmm. I went on these. I went on these comments. I was just looking at the comments. And there was a couple people on this particular website, I forgot what it was, in the comments section that are like, yeah, well, you know, you got, oh, yeah, unnamed sources. You guys are really going to believe that? But then 90% of the comments were like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. look at these Russians. You know, they're not as, like, they're not as adept with this technology as they like to project. So they were just totally buying into the government line that it was a fact that four of these missiles failed and hit somewhere in Iran. And um, so, you know, as far as that issue goes, um, I think that that information or that disinformation was really intended to corral. It would have a propaganda effect for the domestic constituency, uh, the citizens of the United States and um, their their followers or believers um, internationally. So um, they're very scared of what Russia is doing right now because, um, you know, for example, from what I what I gather is that people say, oh, Obama and the United States are playing checkers and blah, 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 Putin's playing chess. So I actually, I actually think it's much more profound than that. So if you could imagine um, a game of chess that's actually multidimensional, where there's no, um, there's no, at the end of it, there's no quote unquote victor. So there's no, there's no just distinct winner because um, this is a, this is conceived and deployed, this game, if you will, um, on a level of internationalism and multipolarity as far as um, what Putin and the Russians and the Chinese envision is not, and this is what I believe, is that that their conceptualization is not a winner and um, it's a multipolarity where there's going to be stronger powers and weaker powers, but it's a, uh, it's a mutual cooperation moving into the future to solve problems, 
to, um, you know, to, 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 to keep from killing ourselves, uh, becoming ecocidal. We can deal with these issues, but the United States is still in this mindset that there has to be one winner. We are the winner, and they're going to do all kinds of crazy stuff to try to make that the reality moving forward. So, um, you know, and I'm going to let y'all go, but I wanted to say one thing about the um, the, the uh, logical fallacies. Um, I had a um, I had a sea change in my my psyche when I coursed in, um, in, in, in university about critical thinking. And what was so profound for me is that I, I had a little bit of a step back in looking at my own consciousness and realizing how I would, how I and everybody else through the vehicle of commercials um, has just been, mm-hmm. they're constant. We are constantly bombarded with logical fallacies to manipulate our percep- perceptions and when I had that, when I had that realization, and then also studying ideology and, and how it how it operates in films, all that, I had this kind of crisis of subjectivity. Is like, is anything that I believe really authentic, or is it just a um, is it just a, a result of uh, me uh, buying into you know certain like political ideologies and in, in, like liberalism, pro- progressivism, so. I had, I had a crisis in subjectivity, and it angered me so much that man, I'm like, the only way to really be free is to develop um, my own unique philosophy. And um, also, I wanted to help other people recognize the function of propaganda through through honing our capacity to critically think and debate. I wanted to do that as my career in academia. And um, you know what? I really came to the conclusion is that, you know what, they're never going to let me teach this. And I, w- I didn't want to push a left-wing agenda, you know, or a right-wing. I just wanted, if you lean left or right, let's just think critically. Let's have the capacity and hone our skills to be able to argue our points, but also to recognize the shortcomings of our own arguments. And then we, when we do that, then we can be receptive toward somebody on the right's arguments and just taking those into, uh, you know, respectful consideration. And that's how we could move forward as a society and begin to solve the problems that, that are in front of us. But I also recognize that, man, you know, there's other, other details that went into this, but, man, they're never going to let you teach this. <laughs> they're never going to let yeah, you teach this. Yeah, it's unfortunate this. because that, um, that process of you know, really and truly uh, questioning your own thinking it's uh it's not something that is taught at all you know whether in schools or you know in a family um it's it's not something people know how to do and it is a, and when we do try to encounter that process it can be really difficult to you know really when when we have uh more fixated on you know some sacred cow something that we really fervently believe in there's there's it's it's a really difficult process to break those things down and you know it's easy to say you know oh uh people don't think and uh you know every, and but they're basing that on because they disagree with me you know it, we we need yeah. to also be challenging everything that we think and uh it's it's not yeah, it's not or, a process that comes naturally or uh, or or like saying this about people 
it's they're the sheeple, right? So I'm I consider myself among the intelligentsia. Those other people, they're sheeple because they don't. Well, maybe they're scared. Maybe they acknowledge every point you make about the United States uh, being behind ISIL or using ISIL as a tool, and maybe they totally agree with that. That's the most lo- a, a very cogent argument. But they're in fear. They could, if they acknowledge that and express that, they could lose their job. So um, I think that I think that we, the people that really want to see a better world where we can deal with the problems that are coming to the fore, um, look at things in ways that um, you know escape the left-right paradigm. And um, for example, I've heard some very cogent arguments for for monarchy, and it's not a reductive kind of monarchy of old, but um, uh, anyway, but the other one, other thing I wanted just to present to you, um, there's a very good article by Joaquin Flores on the, uh, and the Center for Syncratic Studies on the website. I think it was published in uh, maybe late August, but he starts to outline, you know, how, how can we move forward and, and get, get and go beyond this Marxist, fascist, uh, liberal, these, these paradigms which his thesis is that liberalism is the uh, the reigning in the, in the victorious ideology that holds sway today. And he's trying to think mm-hmm. about ways that we can move forward into the future and actually uh, develop something that challenges and, and supplants the, uh, the, the dominant liberal um, ideology, that corporate liberalism that holds sway today. And I think that's worthwhile a read. And then the other thing I would like to say is that there's a gentleman by the name of Rupert Sheldrake, um, and he's yeah, a biologist. Yeah, we're familiar with him. We like him a lot. Oh, I, I don't know if you guys might have uh, interviewed him. I'm not sure. But um, I find no, we'd love to have him on. But uh, yeah, we have brought up really um, a lot of his information in various places. But go ahead, Jonathan. No, I just said I just wanted to conclude by saying that um, reviewing his uh, he did a TED talk, which was banned, but his um, the ten de- right. the ten delusions of science or something like that. Man, it was just a, an excellent presentation, and he's not anti-science, but he's reminding us to recognize the limitations of science, and um, so he's a great he's a great kindred kindred spirit to me as well as um, Joaquin Flores. He's excellent. So um, and y'all are as well. I, every week I enjoy listening to your show because it's uh, you know, you get two hours here to like discuss something in depth, and um, you guys are open-minded and you're respectful and um, it's just really enjoyable to listen to y'all, you know, go in go in depth on these subjects. It's just it's really valuable. So I appreciate y'all letting me speak. Oh, thanks a lot, Jonathan. Thank you for calling, Jonathan. Right, we appreciate that. I think one of the things that Jonathan brought up was uh, the, the sticking point on ideologies. And, you know, it might be a really good idea to throw them all out, start all over. I mean, every every time we get a piece of information, we should be adding that to our movable baseline. You know, it's 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 when we get entrenched in in an idea, the confirmation bias, and we and we get that you know, re- reaffirm to ourselves that we get into trouble. And the other thing you brought up was that um, the the silent doubters of the information that's out there today and their fear of uh, ramifications for this kind of thinking. How do you get 
the silent voters to become a majority so that you know there's enough there's enough cloud enough power enough mass to to not be crushed well i think you know one of the points that uh, Jonathan was correct in making is the uh, kind of fear and earlier we were talking about this kind of social um, force that's behind um, all of these ideas that you're supposed to think um, so you know it, it would really require on the part of each individual silent doubter to reach out and network with others who are of like mind and kind of um, you know, allow themselves to get the focus on the process of honing in on uh, their questions and their and their authentic thoughts about what it is that they're that they're hearing. And um, you know, there's um, there's this idea of social proof. Uh, so you know, if they are um, surrounded by or communicating with a number of other people who think as they do. Uh, it, the process of um, of accepting their own thinking, uh, their own intuition, uh, their own questions becomes a lot easier. But there, there was just a, just something about ideology that I wanted to address um, for a moment, and that is that um, I think it, it's not so much the names of the ideologies is as much as it is the identification with them. You know, I am a liberal. I am a capitalist. I am a communist. Um, so, like, you know, if if you look behind neoliberalism, for instance, and you see that all of its policies are designed to uh, kind of um, empower the super rich, the one percent, um, then you might as well call it fascism, because all the laws that uh, the lobbyists and the revolving door politicians who, who work in government one year and then work for corporate another year, uh, you know, they're basically, you know, without the swastika on their arm or, or uh, Mussolini's uh, designations, they're fascists. Um, so they, they might be useful even in a limited way if, if people don't say, I am a Democrat, I am a Republican. How do you, you know, how do you feel about the issues that these parties are are um, proponents of in particular? Um, you know, because what happens is you say you're a Democrat or you say you're a Republican, and then you kind of pigeonhole yourself and you paint yourself into a corner and feel compelled to vote for one or the other schmuck because they are Democrat or because they are Republican. And... Um, and it it narrows it narrows it it uh, it's a kind of myopic uh, political thinking. It feeds into the confirmation bias, which already supports what they believe, so they just think a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, Congress's you know total approval rating of those staunch people who approve of Congress is about eight percent, and I think it would be just really great if if uh, the government held an election and nobody showed up. I mean, it's just you know, if 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 you can't if you can't you know get behind someone t- telling the truth and having uh, you know a, a view of of the world that is balanced um, mm-hmm. with good information um, and and is has thought behind it instead of being a persuasive argument that that tries to keep and corral in the 
the, the folks they already think they have. I mean, what's the point? Well, what's really cool now is that, you know, we do have a world leader on the stage who's, who's, who is speaking the truth and doing and backing it up with, uh, with action. And, you know, people can really rally behind that um, if they can you know, get past their preconceived notions. And, but I wanted to get back to this ideology thing because I think it's you know, pretty fascinating. Um, the development of the Western world is really centered uh, around ideology and just this ideological thinking and uh, this this movement. Um, you know, early on there might have been something going on. Um, you know, during the French Revolution when uh, people were taking power. Um, from you know the the monarchs and and uh, there was this this shift in thinking um, that said that you know people have some responsibility and um, and and they that they hold uh, the the real power for humanity and there is something to that. However, it was pretty quickly distorted. Um, you know, Napoleon came in and. And you know, it, it really instituted you know a lot of these fascist ways, um, but all these ideologies uh, came out of that age. Um, you know, Adam Smith and you know just the the whole concept of this liberal free market and uh, just the whole Western way um, you know developed out of that time period, and you know it developed and developed, but in you know the United States. Um, came came to and took those ideas, those ideologies, that that way of uh, shaping the public, making people believe that they have power when they're just really being shaped. Now, if people did um, wake up and acknowledge that that you know we are giving our power away to um you know these rulers and you know it it's we've been been doing it um now that there is this realization that we can have that capacity there is a responsibility for for everybody to um to see the mechanisms of 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 control and to speak out against it that's that's really where you know our power is um but as long as we're stuck in these ideologies, um, you know, where is the the the, the ideology that's, that's just human? That what does it mean to be a human being? You know, uh, what does it mean to um, to act? You know, in service of of other people. What are our greatest qualities that you know we can seek to achieve? And you know, that is what's missing from many of these ideologies. You know, they they might uh, skim the surface and, and touch on you know some noble characteristics, but it's always distorted. And that's that's the thing with um, with the process of polarization. You know, it's these psychopaths who take ideologies and, and twist them to corrupt humanity. So we need to create the human party. Yeah. That that sounds like a good party. Sign me up. Okay, I'll start a list. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you were talking about the 8% approval rating in Congress, Karen, uh, I was thinking about all these buffoons who are running, you know, in these debates right now for the Repo- Republican Party, 
and they're all trying to outdo each other in what they would do if they were president and they were facing the situation in Syria. And, um, uh, and of course, you have people who are in Congress, for the most part, kind of, you know, going along these lines as well, Ted Cruz and, and some of these others. And, um, you know, if it, if it didn't knock me off the chair when I was reading this, you know, you hear about Donald Trump coming out and saying, no, we should have left Saddam Hussein and, and, and Gaddafi and, and, and we should be leaving Assad in, in power. I mean, you know, these guys kept their countries together. And so, like, you know, when you hear it coming out of the mouth of a buffoon uh, like Trump, this self-serving um, blowhard, uh, you know, bad hair. With, with really bad hair, <laughs> uh, God knows what else. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, if, if this guy, if this Schmendrick, uh, which, is, which is, you know, is that a term? It is. It's Yiddish for schmuck, which is also Yiddish. <laughs> I learned something new. Schmo, jerk. Uh, you know, you you know, pick your favorite uh, declamation there. Anyway, you know, he's coming out and saying this. It's it's sort of like if you have even the most basic understanding of you know that you know these the, well these countries weren't perfect yeah Saddam you know you can make a fair argument for the for the idea that he he did kind of have a, a mafia uh, kind of uh, hold of control over Iraq and Jordan. Um You can't say the same for Libya though. Libya was a fabulous country. Exactly. Uh, even more so, but but what what Saddam Hussein was able to do was keep all of these you know se- uh, all these sectarian interests basically at peace with one another. Uh, you know they they weren't doing badly. Um, you know was the guy you know did the guy have evil propensities? Yeah, he did. Uh, but but nothing but nothing compares to the destruction and the evil. Uh, that was foisted upon Iraq in the name of saving Iraq and the world from Saddam Hussein. Uh, so, well, you have to eliminate all the examples that you don't want in the world, and, and bring bring everything up up or down to your level. Yeah, that's the thing with psychopaths. You know, they'll go after those who have you know the most creative capacity, who are doing you know the um, the most human things in the world. Um, you know, like we were just saying with uh, with Gaddafi, that that what happened in Libya was uh, such a um, such a great massive atrocity. Uh, I I don't know. You know, I think I'm sure uh, readers of Saw and many of our listeners know the the truth uh, about Gaddafi and. Just all the amazing things that you know, he was doing uh, for for his country, and and you know even the the, the leadership, the uh, tribal structure, they were they were able to accomplish just you know, such beautiful things. And I think that more than anything else uh, was the reason that um, that Libya needed to be destroyed. Um, you know, we, we see it on. On the world stage, but it's also, um, you know, we we see it on a, a personal level as well. 
uh, Sandra Brown, um, you know, she she wrote about that in um, in her book. Uh, women who love psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that psychopaths go after specific types of women who are altruistic, um, intelligent. Um, they have certain gifts that apparently is just if we consider psychopaths predators, that's what they feed off of. And you, know, you read stories about these high-level executive women, high-powered lawyers, doctors. And they're essentially taken down by these psychopaths to the point they have to go to a mental hospital. And so you think about society as a whole, and you think about the effect it has on these women. There's a lot of similarities uh, with everyone going crazy on the planet. Um, there's some interesting points that she makes in the book about the psychopath's ability to hypnotize, um, a mesmerizing effect on these women. Same thing with our politicians. You know, people are blindly following Obama. You know, with this uh, hope gnosis, um, not questioning. But he's bombing babies in Pakistan and everywhere else in the country. Um, and that's the same effect, I think, as the as individual has, an individual psychopath has on um, a person as opposed to on the global stage. So, Yeah, and um, psychopaths also, they, they, uh, Sandra Brown writes about how they bond with people. And, you know, they do use trauma uh, as one means of bonding. Um, you know, there's those trauma bonds. And... You know, you can see that over and over uh, in the United States. You know, the uh, depiction depiction has been made of you know, the United States as and the American people in this really abusive, uh, dysfunctional relationship. And you know, there's so many parallels. Um, and you know, psychopaths, they, uh, aside from the, the trauma bonds, they do know how to mimic um, what you know the bonds that happen even in normal relationships they know how to you know give attention uh to women how to you know how to uh speak to them and you know um tell them their vulnerabilities um and and so on um and you know most most men you know were were all usually flawed and you know don't know how to do those things so the psychopaths are the ones that are out there doing these things and causing all this damage uh, in the process. So you know it's it's really um, you know it's it's men's responsibility too to you know kind of set things up and kind of you know be be more of a human being and you know um, learn how to you know treat people with uh, with with respect. Use the um, find the those higher qualities and and meet them uh, because right now the psychopaths are imitating them and um, you know, they're they're pretty much dominating in in the United States. Yeah, and Putin's a prime example of not doing that. Yeah. I mean, he really considers his people. He considers diplomacy. He considers all those things, and he's you know the complete opposite of what we see here in the states. Yeah, there's a there's a cool story. Uh, that came out um, with uh, Russia's meeting with France and uh, Hollande, and um, you know, Hollande was saying, "Well, you know, we want uh, we want you guys to talk with the Free Syrian Army," and you know, uh, Putin pretty much he kind of like placated them and placated them and uh, said, "Yeah, you know, well." Uh, we don't, we don't, we don't really know that there's leadership in the Free Syrian Army you know, because they they don't really exist. Um, but 
but you know we're open to communication we're open to um you know have we need to have a political set- settlement in syria and um yeah, that's how things will be resolved. He's he's a very forward-thinking person. Uh, you know, it's not just um, bombs and missiles, um, but there you know, there are uh, oppositional forces in Syria, uh, not just the ones who have been imported, um, who you know who who want may want to be a part of the uh, political future in Syria. And he needs those uh, those people to basically sit down at the table, and you know they might they're being reprimanded right now, uh, but he's done he's used the same strategy in in Chechnya, and um, you know he he sat down with the valid uh, Chechen um, opposition and said, look, we need to sort these these things out. And you know, it's ama- it was amazing to see uh, just how strong uh, Chechnya became afterwards. Um, you know, they're they're such a strong they have such a strong relationship and t- and you know really close ties with uh, the Russian Federation now. And Putin is taking that same strategy and applying it to the the situation in Syria. Um, so you know, all these. U.S. Uh, uh, Propagandists—they can—they can say things as they've been saying, and you know, just continue to spout nonsense. Uh, but uh, Putin's actions are bringing results, and you know, that's what the world will see for the for people who have eyes to see. And um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to just seeing it all play out. Well, you know, this kind of reminds me of um, a bias that Putin had for quite a number of years. Uh, And that was, believe it or not, uh, he had a pro-American bias. Um, You know, when when he came into office, uh, he didn't come in there. um, I don't think he fully uh, understood uh, the dynamics that were at work with uh, the fifth columns and, and the... Uh, NGOs and even terrorism. Uh, he had to, over a number of years and hard-fought lessons, come to realize on a on a very visceral level uh, what it was that he was dealing with. Um, in the early 2000s, you know, he made an appeal to the Bush administration. Uh, you know, he had already established a kind of um, rapport with uh, then-President W. And, uh, you know, it w- even went so far as W saying, you know, I- I've looked into his eyes and I-, I see his soul. and He's, you know, this is a good man. And, I mean, you know, much was made of, of this kind of um, rapport that, uh, that, that Putin had with uh, George Bush. And uh, at some point... Um, he had reached out to Bush uh, in an effort to uh, work on the problem of terrorism because even though much of the, the, the Chechen um, kind of terrorism and, and civil strife that existed there had been addressed, it was, you know, it's an ongoing issue. Um, and basically he got a, a letter back from like the State Department 
that said, uh, you know, it was a few weeks later. It wasn't from Bush. And it was something to the effect of, well, you know, uh, go fly a kite. Uh, so, you know, it, it was signs of like these over years, over, uh, over many instances of, of Putin, you know, calling the Americans their partners and reaching out and, um, and calling Obama on the phone to discuss things and, and creating the Minsk, uh, Minsk Accords, um, that Putin had to learn, uh, that, that, that these Americans were not what he had hoped they would be. Uh, so, you know, finally, after 13 or 14 or 15 years, I mean, he already started to speak out about some of this in 2007. Um, you know, there was a kind of a, a, a shift in his thinking that allowed him to say, okay, my God, these guys are kind of just going to do their thing and no matter how much goodwill uh, we offer here in the spirit of cooperation, in the spirit of just being decent, there is nothing that we can do to kind of help alleviate the situation and, and make things better for the world and for our country. They're just going to keep attacking us. And, and we know this because of the, the guys that they keep sending in Russia to create dissent. And all of the color revolutions, you know, Ukraine must have been one of the nails in the coffin. Um, so I think it's important to just take note of the fact that that uh, what we're seeing from Putin uh, today is coming after many years of hard-fought lessons, and uh, and coming to the realization that there is really nobody to talk to in the U.S. Um, and you know, for for everyone else who doesn't have uh, an inkling of what that experience is, uh, it's just Putin doing this or that and being a strong man or trying to project power into Syria or, you know, reconstituting the USSR and, and, and Russian Empire. You know, there's no um, there's no understanding of, of, of exactly how much pain and work Putin had to come to 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 be where he is today and to and to act so dis- decisively in this situation. Well, it's it's funny because I mean, even today, a whole still you know he still kind of leaves the door open. Like you know, we'd love to have uh, you know some discussion with uh, with the United States. We try, we have tried, we've been trying, mm-hmm. but you know this is it's 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 reached the point where. You know, we need to. Uh, Russia needs to do something about it. And uh, so, you know, it just I, I think part of that may now may be you know, a strategy where you know they do show just rationality. You know, just being a, a basic decent person and trying to resolve things. Uh, you know, he puts that message out there, and and you know, it, it's. You know, hopefully people will see, um, you know, the the type of man he is. Um, you know, I I don't know when people are you know, just bogged down in in you know the the latest from CNN and 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 such that you know they'll get the message. But you know, over time, with um, with Russia moving forward, you know, people have these repeated opportunities to see you know what really is going on. Well, the United States, um, it's it has to have an enemy. There's you can't 
can't just not have an enemy and feel powerful. So it, the United States should really look in the mirror because it's its own worst enemy. It's 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 what it's up against. Um, and you know, the, I don't know. It's it, it should just grow up. Well, you know what's funny is, uh, who would have thought that the U.S. today would be supporting Al Qaeda? I mean, hello, aren't these the same ideologically connected people who blew up the World Trade Center? Allegedly. Uh, allegedly, you know. Um, so Russia has, you know, Russia has taken on the, the new uh, bogeyman uh, role. But um, Karen, you had a, a very interesting article from a local paper yeah, that's uh, that um, that kind of speaks to the uh, authoritarian um, mindset that uh, that the, that the kind of mainstream press as we know it in the West kind of takes up so well it, it what's interesting about this is I, I'm sure whoever wrote this has no clue um, it's under the opinion column mm-hmm. It's called The Power of the Press is in Your Hands. Uh, did you know that this is National Newspaper Week? We're fairly sure you didn't, and it's safe bet that you don't especially care either. After all, this week is devoted to something. Uh, for National Newspaper Week, however, we hope you will take a few minutes to think about the impact newspapers have on your life and what life would be without information and the perspective they provide. The newspaper is your only source of local news, especially in a small town. You aren't going to get your news by watching TV stations. Collecting and reporting the news that shapes your daily lives, that's the business we're in. The business. The the phrase, the power of the press, sounds pretty ominous, but that power is working for you, the community. Your elected officials and other public servants work for you, and it's one of our jobs to see that they are sound stewards of your tax dollars and the authority you have given them. They say knowledge is power, and that's what your community newspaper delivers. That knowledge may be about dreadful crime or a road project that will affect your, that will affect your commute or the latest heroics of the high school football team, or a neighbor whose story is more fascinating than you can ever imagine. No one else is able to tell those stories and bring them to your doorstep. The demise of the newspapers widely reported in today's culture. We're all digitally, I can't even say it, we're all digitally driven these days, and many people rely on their computers or their phones to keep up with what's going on in their hometown. The power of the press feels diluted these days because it's spread across many channels. But here's the thing. The demand and the hunger for information has never been greater. The paper and ink product you hold in your hands now is still the most powerful tool for for informing the public, sharing important information, and every now and then changing the community or the world. And there's so much more trash to sift through today. Anyone with a computer and an internet connection can push news out there the whole world to the whole world all day long. We firmly believe that the professional, dedicated journalists 
and the products they deliver are more essential today than ever before. Despite the proliferation of news content today, keep in mind that behind every piece of legitimate news is a journalist who checked and double-checked the facts, developed an understanding of the issues, and wrote it with you, the reader, in mind. The, a free and objective press remains the cornerstone of any free society, and it's never been needed more. But the true power rests with you, the reader. We in the press are obligated and honored to wield it on your behalf. Mm. Can you imagine? Well, one of our chatters uh, just put up the quote that wrong information is worse than no information. And, you know, that's, that's so spot on in regards to the topic today. Uh, there's so many biases that you know, just drive us um, with, with the wrong information. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Uh, so let me go to the caller. Caller, are you there? Yep. What uh, I, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name's Joe. What I'd like Hi, to Joe, know how is you doing? This. Okay. I happen to agree that the press, investigative journalists, people who have uh, that kind of courage to go behind the lines to really dig up what's really true and then expose it and then reveal it to the public is an extraordinarily important job. My question to you guys is, what do you expect the public to do with it? The information? Yeah. Well, we don't have any expectations at this point, I think, but there is the hope that the good information, the true information, gets assimilated mm-hmm. and that uh, people bring it to the attention of their legislators uh, in the form of phone calls, and this does happen from time to time, uh, and that they that they take action in strategic and safe ways that make it known that our legislators are going to be called on their BS and that there are certain matters that are important to them. By the same token, um, you know, there, there's a, a word that we have used here on uh, the truth perspective uh, a number of times, um, Ponderization, and that is the kind of process by which politicians are um, influenced negatively, uh, mm-hmm. evilly, by the kind of psychopathic, pathological thinking of other uh, people right. in positions of power. And right. so, uh, you got eight there's a recognition. Left. Since you don't have eight minutes left, sorry? I'd like I'd like to interrupt for a second because you said something that I want to respond to. Um, mm-hmm. You're hoping that the um, the people at large, if they find something that's wrong, they will email, snail mail, contact their politicians in order for them to do to correct whatever's wrong. Do you honestly believe, um, and I don't know how deep your cynicism is about the American government, but do you honestly believe <laughs> that, because my cynicism runs deep, but if any normal politician in Congress gets even 10,000 emails from his constituents, but gets one visit from a lobbyist, who do you think he's going to listen to? Well, the the second part of my answer, um, before you interjected, Joe, Mm -hmm. was that uh, knowledge for knowledge's sake uh, is crucially important. So I I think I would agree with you. I think that there are politicians, I think that there is just a a limited amount of of influence that even individuals, you know, writing to their legislators will have. Mm -hmm. 
Um, by the same token, there there is great value uh, in seeing uh, the unseen and knowing what is true in the midst of, of being lied to so heavily. Um, and when people are in a position at some point or another to act based on what they know, uh, just like we're seeing, you know, Putin seizing the day and, and, and finding his time to act based on what he knows after years and years of, of making efforts and acquiring knowledge and yeah, a looking at the situation as a... Behind him too. Look, I know where you're going. Yes. People should act. But the thing is, if people are going to act in ineffective ways, then what difference does it make? If you really, do you really well, believe... And it seems to me like you're kind of condoning the type of activity of people contacting the legislators, which to me is like asking your jail for the uh, for the jail key. That you, you know, and um, I just don't see any normal politician responding mm-hmm. unless he can get a soundbite out of it. Well, I, I just want to stress and reiterate the second part of my answer, mm-hmm. which is that. Uh, knowledge for knowledge's sake is very important and that it may be you know you may be absolutely right you know that kind of head-on participation in the political process might be completely moot at this point it probably is and uh and so people have to prepare themselves mentally based on the types of things that they're seeing and know is happening Mm -hmm. to uh to take care of themselves in the way that other authoritarian types depend on the government. So people becoming interdependent with people who see the situation for what it is, forming communities, forming networks of, of uh, self-supporting, uh, self-sufficient, knowledgeable um, kind of uh, networks of, of people who can respond to the deficiencies and to the threats uh, and outright aggression that they might be subject to further down the line. Okay. And um, how would you see this manifested? The type of networking and strategy that you're referring to. The the problem is is that as soon as we accept what they say and, and, and the framing on their terms, it gives them a powerful advantage. And the minute we stop observing, you know, with a critical eye and, and critical thinking, we've already been persuaded. So if, if we don't make uh, our voices and our, our, you know, thinking known, then, then we've already lost the game. There's, there is no advantage. There's, there's nothing that would possibly change. Well, I agree with you. The only thing I'm asking is what type of um, strategies would be um, actually effective? Well, well, and effective in actually changing like the power structure in the United States. Is that is that what you're asking? We're reflecting the kind of change in which uh, Congress will actually do more than just lie to us. They'll actually pass laws uh, that are beneficial uh, for us, and repeal laws that are deleterious to us. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there is. <laughs> At this okay, point, I, that's, the there is anything, that's the but, honest answer. Now, here's what I was doing with all that questioning. I've thought of a quote-unquote solution, but the solution isn't a solution unless it has a real strategy involved. So I don't have a solution. What I have is a goal. To me, Congress is the cancer. Nothing happens in, um, in the United States unless it's done by Congress. And 
I guess further up the line, you could say that they're run by the lobbyists, who are run by other people. But the thing is, Congress has the power to make the laws. The laws, uh, and I'm taking a look at your description page right now, and you have on there a nice infographic about how America isn't really uh, the, uh, the exceptional country that we used to be. And that's because of Congress. My solution, again, it's only quote-unquote solution, is that if people, and I'm saying that's a big if, if people could just realize that without putting forth any more effort than they're already doing to try to change Congress, they could change it. And here's how. Instead of trying to select somebody who's a good Democrat or a good Republican, you go to the polls, unmask, and you just put in anybody who's in the independent party, any independent except somebody who served today, like uh, Bernie Sanders, any independent. If he's a door catcher, you put him or her in because they're not career politicians. Now, if you could sweep out 435 Dems and Republicans to put in 435 bumbling but yet good-hearted, good-minded people, that would be a 1,000% better than the balls we have today. But again, I don't have much faith in the American intelligence, because even though mm-hmm. you, take, you take a look at the polls and the, and the American citizen says, we don't like Congress, we don't like Obama, what do they keep doing every two years? They mm-hmm. vote out the Democrat, vote in the Republican. Vote out the Republican, vote in the Democrat. They keep falling for the same, that's, we need change. We need change. Joe, you're, you're, you appreciate honesty, uh, certainly. So, so here is some honesty as I see it. Uh, the trajectory of the U.S. at this time is uh, it's it's really bad and, and probably worse than even a lot of informed people uh, I th- think. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at this point uh, in creating a distraction for the. Um, the kind of uh, proactive um, response that Russia has made in Syria, uh-huh. if we should see, you know, even more uh, distracting, horrible, uh, synthetic terror uh, uh-huh. that's designed to uh, corral and limit people's freedom of action here. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so much so, so much so that it, it may just be a matter of months before Congress. Is is rendered even more moot uh, than it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, in which case, you know, and and we've discussed the potential for the economy to uh, create such a dire situation here in the U.S., where mm-hmm. just the day-to-day uh, living, um, you know, finding food, uh, mm-hmm. resources, uh, are, are a difficult thing. So. Um, to be pragmatic about it, uh, I think being aware of, of the situation as a whole and preparing oneself in any and every way possible and those who are open uh, to the truth of the situation is probably the most one of the most proactive uh, things that we can do as individuals. Uh, just to add on to, on to that, I think... Um yeah, the the direction that we're headed, uh, I, I personally think that the only way that things are going to change on um, the American continent is when the United States does collapse, and you know that 
I mean, it's it's going to happen at some point. Um, perhaps sooner, perhaps later, probably sooner. And when when you know, when there are these situations of chaos, yeah, I think that that does uh, open the door for either like further evil or for something new. So if if there's a large enough body of people, you know, who can see the truth and can act as um, leaders, yeah, leaders to to bring in, you know, a, a different way of living, which you know, I think uh, I think Putin is exemplifying on on the world stage. You know, I, I think if there are enough people uh, who who can really organize in the same way, you know, the, uh, the psychos in Washington are organizing. Then you know maybe we can um, present and create something different. Well, I don't think the structure, I mean, the U.S. government structure, is so hierarchical. I don't. It wouldn't be a society I would want. To you know, I mean, people have to be ready for something really new, mm-hmm. something that's more equality-based, um, as opposed to this hierarchy we live in, where one person or a corporation have all this power. It's not worth saving, in my mind. There's nothing wrong with having corporations. I happen to be a firm believer of capitalism. But what do we have today is crony capitalism, where we have uh, crooked um, corporate leaders lying in bed with corporate, uh, I mean, with crooked politicians. The thing is, is that the American people are not, um, they're not thinkers. Okay? We're not. All we have to do is go to the polls and vote in a person, one person. We don't have to try to decide who's going to be uh, the best one out of 35 candidates, just any particular person, and, you know, if people did that. But to, but to um, highlight what I'm saying about the stupidity of the American people, how can the American people say that they despise Congress with an approval rating of either 6% or 16%, depending upon which poll I guess you read, but then keep voting in the same bastards. We have 60% of Americans who were polled the other day, and they said that um, they didn't trust Congress. But does, would it make any sense to you if you took a poll um, of, your, of your community and a 1,000 members of your community said, I don't like this particular organization because of what they've done to us. But then when it comes time to change the membership, they keep voting in the um, the wives and husbands of the people who were in the organization. Right. Yeah. People generally don't see the forest through the trees, and no. uh, you know there is no bigger picture. And there, is, I think, the other aspect is that there is such um, such a strong belief in just the American system itself, mm. and mm-hmm. and that's what just you know propels it forward. Yeah, Find you're right. Biases at work. Yeah. Yeah, we've all been brainwashed. Go ahead. Yeah, we have. Okay, we've all been brainwashed to accept this particular system, and I can't really say that it's that bad on its face. Because if you're a citizen of any country, you're going to be taught to love your country. There's nothing wrong with that. But when they keep uh, harping upon terror, 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 and Democrats versus Republicans, and people do not, as the uh, uh, woman caller was saying. Uh, don't have a discriminating, discerning mindset. 
they just take a look at the polls and they'll say, look, Trump is leading, so I guess I'll vote for him. Oh, my God, Trump has just now dropped to third place. I guess I won't vote for him. Do you know who was it? Um, somebody went out in the street and um, somebody said, oh, Jimmy Kimmel. And he went out in the street and he, and he said to people, um, do you like Trump? No. Well, okay, who do you like? Hillary. Okay. So you like Hillary's plan of gun control, um, of sealing up the borders? Yes, I do. Well, after about five minutes of interviewing them, he told them, this is all Trump's plan. It has nothing to do with Hillary. Well, then I support Trump. <laughs> you know, it's people who do not know how to think. They just follow the crowd. And I've tried to organize, um, but I wasn't successful. So that's why I called in to see if, um, you know, if you guys had any... Um, any real good uh, plans that maybe um, you know could be feasible? Well, Joe, uh, have you been in touch with any people who feel and think the, the same ways that you do? Oh, that's a good question. Do you know who feels and thinks the same way that I do and you do? A lot, a lot of people. It's amazing to me that somehow I get into conversations with people that I don't know, strangers. And we're talking about one particular thing because of the uh, the venue, the environment we're in, like I'm buying something. And then mm-hmm. we're talking about conspiracy theories, and they're introducing it. And it, it goes across all ages and goes across all nationalities. I came across a Korean vendor a few months ago. He is from Korea, not Korean-American. And he was talking to me after we first started talking about veterans. I don't know how he got on that on that conversation about the Rothschilds, Rockefeller, Federal Reserve, and you know a lot of people are aware of what's going on, but I think people feel helpless. So they combine their yeah. helplessness with the fact that, as you have brought up, you know, belief in the system, because nobody really wants to believe that the United States of America has a history of decimating its own people. Okay? Even though they can see it uh, right in front of them. Enslavement of the blacks, genocide of the Indians, forced sterilization of women, um, irradiation of veterans and non-vets, and it can go down the line. And people can download this information from congressional committees, uh, congressional transcripts, and declassified CIA documents to show the history of Congress and what they've done to us. But nobody wants to believe it, and I can't blame them. You know, it's like Congress is Santa Claus. You're supposed to believe in them. They're supposed to help you. But nobody wants to yeah, go against Joe. Yeah. Well, you just described another one of the cognitive biases we were going to bring up today, and that's one that's called learned helplessness. And if you feel like you can't control your destiny, like most people in America can't, um, you kind of give up and accept things as they are. And so an individual has learned to be helpless. They've learned to depend on the government to make their decisions and think for them. And that's just another cognitive bias that you have to overcome so we can change something. Even if it's just our immediate environment, our homes, uh, local communities, um, create the kind of environment we want to be in as opposed to what... um, our learned helplessness tells us to create. So that makes sense. Will yeah, you be quoting that that PhD, uh, the doctor that's written a thesis about it? 
about half. Um, we have a book here. It's called the You Are Not So Smart, and uh, what, David McCraney. Yeah, David McCraney. And it lists all the cognitive biases we have oh, okay. as human beings, whether we learn them or some might be innate. Oh, all right. Um, but it explains why people think the way they think and why it's mm-hmm. so easy for them to be led around. And mm-hmm. we have to start thinking for ourselves, even if our first attempts at thinking for ourselves is wrong. I mean, we just have mm-hmm. to start trying to use those critical faculties that Shane is talking about. The other thing, Joe, I think is that um, we have to start factoring in critical mass. Uh, when things get to a critical mass, things change. And the, the United States population, if, if they are as uh, astute uh, covertly as, as you might think they are and that we hope that they are, uh, mm-hmm. critical mass should be you know, happening any time. And this, this will put a whole lot of different aspects into play. Yeah. I have a question for you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find the the radio show today? No, I'm on BTR. I was surfing around, saw the show. The show was <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Welcome. Well, thanks. And, and uh, um, you're talking you ever... about. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just wondering if you'd ever read Sot dot net. Um, so we're part of a radio network that um, that includes uh, other shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Made up of that, on a website called Sot, Signs of the Times, mm-hmm. and um, there's a quite a lot of information there uh, that that puts things further into how we see them. That that you sound like you uh, agree with. That I invite you to check out when you get a chance. Okay, You'll find a bunch of do... people who think the way you do. Uh, I'm going to do it right now since I'm in front of my PC. Sot.net. <laughs> huh? Okay. <laughs> Oh, we have another uh, caller on the line, Joe. So I just wanted to say thank sure. you for your thoughts and comments. Sure. And the questions. And, and please feel free um, to call back. I can either back. hold on if you want, or you can mute me or say goodbye and then let the other caller in. It's up to you. Well, we have another uh, half hour left to the show. Um, so maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll say goodbye for this week. And, okay. Um, and I'll peruse this place since I'm there already. All right, nice talking to you guys. Enjoy. Okay, right, take care. Bye bye. Thanks, you. Bye bye. Hey, how you uh, doing? Hello, caller. Hi, yeah, what's uh, your name? Where you calling from? Yeah, yeah, this is Jonathan again, and I just wanted to interject something very quickly. Um, I very much enjoyed listening to Joe, and um, I believe that. Um, Actually, I believe that Joe's view, uh, probably for a man in his demographic, um, is is actually uh, more prevalent than not. And um, the only thing I would take exception to is that yeah, they they seem like dumb people for you know electing the same group of uh, criminals, um, whether Republican or Democrat, every cycle. But um, just from my perspective, is they they really um, they see no like they feel they feel helplessness. They don't really follow news assiduously. They concentrate on, you know, developing their relationships um, interfamilial and um, you know extrafamilial, and um, and that's what they value. It brings tangible value to their lives. And um, no, they don't. They don't deeply research and question things. But the majority of people are good people. That. Um, <laughs> Really, they just work their asses off, 
They're worried about bills. They're worried about retirement. And then when they have time off, they, they will watch a television show that makes them laugh. And then they'll, oh, they'll go to the lake with their friends or they'll go have a few beers at their friend's house and maybe watch a comedian. And um, that is uh, perfect, perfectly understandable given the, uh, given the forces of, uh, of power that, that exist and reproduce from day to day. And um, so I just wanted to say something I very much respect, Joe. Um, but, you know, I wanted to say something that I did that I have done to, uh, as a solution to get out of this situation. You know, I, I told you I became a whistleblower. It destroyed my company. But at the same time, um, I started another endeavor, which I'm, I'm developing right now, and it's called Chinampa Farms. And what it is, it's something like Craigslist where where we we help people develop their own food within their communities and sell or trade the food within their communities. And then the, the premise of it is we have just basic rules about not using uh, chemical fertilizers or, or um, chemical uh, synthetic uh, fungicides or pesticides. We just have basic rules. We're not making people become uh, certified organic, but the idea is it's all open source where people can learn how to grow onions, lettuce, pumpkins, sweet potatoes, whatever. We help them do it. We monitor the, we monitor the methodologies that these particular people engage, and it's all open. Now, if somebody develops and they trade through our network, um, they develop a better methodology. It all has to be to trade in our network. Everything that you learn, every methodological uh, advancement that you engage and you innovate, it all has to be uh, open source where other people can engage this as well. And if you work 100 hours a week developing, you will be able to, to enjoy the lion's share of the, the value of your labor and then so we are just a facilitator in this kind of thing. So the idea is this, that we can learn to become more independent and so and um, community-dependent and interactive um, outside of the grand corporate schema that we are under the thrall of today. And, and then it's not about Republican, Democrat, but it's recognizing that we can do better, we have the capacity to do better, we can become more intelligent uh, by engaging this, and it is the um, it's the only way that I have thought of that we can actually um, pick up the pieces if we do collapse. And it's like sowing seeds. Now I'm trying to I'm going to be developing the the uh, the the the, the um, I'm going to be developing the idea on paper in a preliminary form. And then, um, for example, within any given community like where I live at, you find a source for organic compost. And then it's you help people obtain these seeds, compost, for as cheap as possible. And you're not trying to sell them something. You're not trying to promote something for somebody to become a millionaire. But um, the organization that facilitates it, like Craigslist, um, but no, no kind of personal prostitution ads, None of that. There's no overt politic, Republican, none of that is, is operable. But it's just helping people help themselves, 
do better, and live better more naturally. And um, that's well, what I, think, I have come uh, I think up you're with. You're definitely on to something there with the, the direction. I mean, that's um, you know, something that I think uh, you know we, group, we certainly agree with is that you know, building um, small, smaller base communities is, you know, what's really going to be needed uh, in the future. And it's what, you know, America largely lacks. And, yeah, so, I, you know, I think you're, I think you're onto something there, Jonathan. We only have a few minutes uh, left uh, on I the know show. You know, I, I, would just, I, I would just say this. When you help, bringing it back to the political, when you help people just live better, the politics will follow. A more healthy politics will follow. And actually, if if something like this actually caught on, it would improve people's physical fitness, their mental fitness, and it could be bigger than Walmart without any dog billionaire. And then because we have we have a very sophisticated BS meter in this country as far as uh, being propagandized as consumers and configured as consumers. And I think that the time is right that we just do the next logical step for for self-help and community help, and that this is what I've come up with. And I, when I'm finished with this document, the preliminaries of it, I'll email it to y'all and y'all can look at it. It's not about me becoming – it's impossible for me to become a millionaire through engaging this the way I've set this up. But um, I'm mm-hmm. 51, and I need, to, I need to have something as a legacy that I can find meaning in to move forward. And anyway, that's, that's enough from me, and I just wanted to uh, – Say hello to Joe, and I, I really enjoyed listening to his perspective. And God bless y'all. Take care. Bye bye. All right, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks. So, um, I think one other topic that you know we wanted to cover too is so you know what is the result of you know a lot of the cognitive biases that um that we're just living in and um and also you know how does this tie into you know what we've been seeing uh play out on the world stage with uh Russia and Putin um there's been a lot of really violent and appalling things on uh that have been posted on sot this past you know more than this past I mean we see them all the time but it just seems that there's been an increase uh, in both the scale and depth of violence, violence, and just these really deplorable uh, things. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, there's <laughs> seems to be an increase in beheadings, and I'm not talking about Saudi Arabia or ISIS, but uh, you know people. In you know, at, at just uh, normal, well, not normal people, <laughs> but uh, you know, everyday people. Uh, you know, there was a story on on Sot uh, about an Indian man who beheaded his um, his maid uh, after she filed a complaint of abuse and carried her down the street. Her head, yeah, carried her head down the street. Uh, and you know, this isn't just in you know other countries. Um, there's been uh, the, and, and I want to make the point too. It, it, this is this is uh, the a societal view. Um, uh, one one sto- another story that stuck out for me was um, this past week. There was uh, a woman who was uh, 
raped by a policeman. Um, the she was traveling um, with another man who uh, was went through a, a DUI checkpoint, was uh, arrested and taken away. So she was stranded, and the police officer offered her a ride and um, basically raped her at gunpoint. And so the trial uh, just happened, and uh, the defense presented a picture of her bending over a car in high school. And this was, uh, you know, a primary piece of evidence, um, the argu- you know, making the argument that she had these fantasies. She was asking for it. Yeah, that was the message, that she was asking for it. And the jury, not the judge, you know, we see corrupt judges all the time, um, but, you know, this is a jury, and they cleared the officer of all charges, um, you know, just the rape charge, but, you know, there, there are a whole host of others, too. And, you know, you see this young woman, um, you know, there, there, were, there was another video of her uh, just, like, you know, wailing um, after the verdict was read. And you know, it's, it's, it's horrific. And, you know, we're seeing so many things of these. It's not just the uh, psychopathic leaders who are behaving uh, just in such bizarre, appalling ways. But, you know, it seems that uh, with, um, with the forces that, you know, are being played out on the planet, that, you know, people are making, um, making choices and those choices are leading to, you know, some really, uh, they're leading them to be aligned with some uh, truly nasty forces, uh, and and be and so they behave in these kinds of ways. And there might be some other things to it too, but well, that, that reminds me of a similar story of a guy who's in his early early thirties in California just this past week. Uh, got into an argument with his mother. Um, I guess she pointed a gun at him uh, in anger. He took a hatchet off of the wall uh, in in the uh, in the house that they were living in or that she lived in, and uh, he proceeded to disembowel her. He took his heart out, her heart out, and then put it back in. And after that was done, he went out with some friends had some beers, and booked a flight somewhere else, leaving his mother uh, just the way he left her. Uh, When he was questioned about it, uh, this young man who had killed his mother uh, said that um, he had masturbated after the act and that he actually felt good about it. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're... You're seeing right now, we're seeing right now, um, just these kind of uh, unfathomable um, uh, actions and behaviors uh, occurring. Um, and, and there was another story of a, of a boy who killed his mother as well. Uh, and so, you know, one question we might ask is, uh, is, is all of this uh, aggression 
that we're seeing on the part of the government. All, all of these uh, military uh, incursions into other countries, um, all of the all of the abuse that people are suffering at the hands of police officers, um, all of the shootings, uh, and now these these kind of uh, just horrific, uh, brutal um, killings. Uh, is this all part of uh, some uh, process uh, or, or some larger macro uh, effect of change that's occurring uh, that we're seeing? And, and if so, um, what could be the cause of it? Uh, you know, there have always been psychopaths. Um, it seems they seem to be part of the makeup of of any population, uh, but there is a, a virulence, um, a spreading of of what we're seeing right now, that seems to be occurring on on many different levels, um, and by the same token, uh, I do think that there are a number of people who are waking up, and uh, who feel compelled to share their thoughts and their observations uh, here. They write blogs. Uh, they do whatever social activism that, that their lives uh, allow. Um, and so uh, in the other direction, you have a number of folks who are being constructive, who are aligning themselves with another uh, principle or, or force uh, for good. Uh, in, in opposition to or in a different direction of all of this kind of madness that we're seeing. Um, so we just need to keep our eyes peeled uh, and become aware of both and how they're affecting things and, and what the possible forces may be that are acting on them. Yeah, there does seem to be this polarizing uh, of people and you know, I've noticed the same thing. Um, the violence seems to have just escalated in in number and the severity of the violence. It's not just punching out a complete stranger in ATM anymore. You know, it seems to be escalating. But there there seems to be more horrific things on the news. I mean, every every time quote unquote ISIS V had someone, it, it's it's. Uh, for certain elements of the society, this is, you know, now an acceptable thing to do. So mm -hmm. he's walking down the street with with his maid's head in his, in his you know, well, box or bag or, or I don't know, he's just carrying it. Uh, it you know, th there, there seems to be some liberties that are being taken that otherwise had, you know, the, the stop on. Well, you know, we've, uh, we've talked about the information field uh, before on the show, and you know the general idea uh, to try to paraphrase is that you know that there's these different fields of knowledge, um, you know, and it's not necessarily um, where it's all good or all bad. You know, there's these fields that exist, and basically, as as human beings, you know, we can tap into those things. So you know you have something like uh, ISIS that's unleashed on the world, and then you know now we're at the point where um, U.S. officials, Hillary Clinton, whoever else, you know they're basically supporting terrorism, um, genocide, all, and and genocide, and it's it's. It's, I wouldn't say it's 100% overt, 
but it's really not that hidden. You know, if you have any idea of what's going on in the world and, you know, what the United States has done in terms of supporting um, terror, then uh, these, all these arguments that these politicians are making about um, Russia, uh, that, you know, they're, they're outraged that Russia is targeting their terrorists. And those, in, those who are accepting that ideology, that way of thinking, are tapping into a really nasty information field. So, you know, what kinds of things does that open uh, society up to? And I think that, you know, that's kind of like what we're seeing uh, play out. Um, I think that's a great theory, Shane. Meg, you had a a little bit that you wanted to uh, share about um, the just world uh, idea. Oh, yeah. Um, And this one seems to encompass a lot of different things, but the just world fallacy is essentially that people who are having a rough go in life or losing it live or having bad things happen to them somehow have done something to deserve it, um, which underlies, I think, um, the new story you brought up with uh, where they were blaming this woman for having this picture, you know, of herself on the hood of a car that looked like the same way she got raped. Um, And I think everything that I've read about it, the guy in the book, he didn't say whether he thought it was something that we learned or something that was innate, but it just seemed to underlie... um, a lot of the cognitive biases. It's like there's, you know, just enough good guys to keep the bad guys at bay. Uh, good guys win most of the time. It's reinforced by the media. Um, our Bill of Rights, our Constitution, which is the foundation of our country, is based on equality and a just world. And, you know, the bad guys are going to get their just desserts and the good guys are going to get theirs. Um, and that's just not true. And I think that underlies a lot of people's, I know they do mine, um, belief systems and belief structures. They think I've had family members and friends who would believe that, you know, things just ebb and flow. The good guys get a leg up and the bad guys. The good guys, bad guys, just this is the way things are. Um, they'll never see the big picture that evil is prospering and has been prospering for years and years and years and is not getting its just desserts. They don't, underlying that is some narratives and belief systems that it's a just world and if something bad happens to you, it's probably your fault somehow. Mm-hmm. So, you don't ever get the help you need. That there aren't true victims. Right. Of, Only of volunteers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in this, uh, in this rape case, um, basically the, those who are really entrenched in this just world fallacy or bias uh, would, would see uh, the woman as you know, wanting to defame the the policeman and trying to win money over a civil case mm-hmm. and so she lied so she lost and the noble policeman won yeah and she had this fantasy about a hood of a car and um i mean a jury had to have told themselves that this bad thing that happened to her had to have been her responsibility on some level. Well, they might have. They might have even thought that a bad thing didn't happen to her. Right, right. And then she just changed her mind. It was a bad yeah. night. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, you, you know, when you when you think about this mindset um, in the context of the refugees, 
and, and the crisis that's occurring in Europe right now. Yeah. Uh, I think what it what it has allowed people to do until the situation has become so in your face, and and you finally see pictures of this poor boy, you know, on on, on the shores dead from having drowned in, in an effort to escape the, the situation. Uh, but but what it does is it kind of you know. You you make all of these associations. Well, you know they're just Syrian; they're all terrorists anyway, or they're all Islamic, and so uh, they're they're just paying for what their leaders are doing. I mean, you can just imagine all of the rationalizations, and and it you know this underlying idea appealing to the worst instincts of yeah. people, and and really kind of um, um, allowing them to abrogate. Uh, any sense of uh, responsibility or um, uh, or compassion uh, for what others are going through, and um, well, and I, well, I was I was reading about that too, and the, the the migrants, the issue. It's like they as a country, Germany will not acknowledge their involvement in the wars. They caused the problem. These people are running them. Now they're building fences. I guess Hungary is building fences to keep them out. Mm-hmm. That's just another way of blaming them. It's like these people are at fault for living in a country they happen to want to blow up, and now they're building fences and demonizing them and living. They're living in horrid conditions. Um, if that's not blaming the victim, I don't know what is. Even if they don't say so, you know, it's really covert. But there's a there's a propaganda tactic. It's called dehum- dehumanization. It's, it's one that kind of tricks the brain. It lumps a group together in such a way that it takes away any individuality of, you know, separate persons, you know, like children and, and women and, and men. It just, it's, it's just a mass identity. And this is kind of where the Israelis uh, have a group identity for the Palestinians. They don't see them as, as children or or um, mm-hmm. women or non-soldiers, they're they're all lumped in together. So this is a this is a mindset that that tricks you into accepting or dealing with an issue without it being you know individuated to actual people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's as if um, you know these these people uh, as individuals. Uh, don't suffer. Yeah, they, they remain faceless. They're humanless. They're, they're, they've become a, uh, a, thing. A, a thing, a political, uh, an evil political uh, ideology, and not uh, individuals who have emotions and and uh, and challenges that um, that are being made uh, horrible at the hands of psychopathic people in positions of power. And, and when you think about it, um, it isn't the people that are, you know, dehumanized. It's it's actually the the focus of the pathologicals who are more dehumanized in that respect because that's how they they think about things. They 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 aren't coming from the heart. They aren't coming from, you know, a human perspective. They're 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 coming from some colder, darker, deeper place. Yeah, those who really dehumanize don't have the that humanity. Uh, within them, yeah, factor. and you know, we see, you know, Hollywood. You look at Hollywood um, movies, and you know, how many times is the you know crazy Arab the the bad guy? And you know, we've been doing this for for decades, 
and um, it, it's it's like this abstract thing where you know can you imagine if uh, another country invaded the United States and a million people were slaughtered. And then 2,000 of them had to go to another country as refugees and they put us in concentration camps? Yeah. How would we feel about that as Americans? Can can people wrap their heads around that, that these people are human beings no different than them? And, yeah, it's it's like, it's such a foreign, uh, it's not even a concept, it's a foreign emotion that, that people don't allow themselves to to reach. I mean, it's so horrific. Well, I think people are so beaten down. I mean, we've got the Health and Wellness show. You know, we've got Joe and Neil's show. I mean, people are just beaten down. They're unhealthy. Their brains don't work. Their minds don't work. I mean, they just... I mean, I can almost say who can blame them. I mean, because we're just zombies. and Most of us are just zombies in this country. But um, I think they're just beaten down. Well, not that's giving them an excuse, but... I think people are beaten down and zombified, and uh, you know one of the one of the steps that people can take in uh, in getting out of that is um, you know w- when you're suffering through something, and and we all have our issues and challenges and things that we um, need to uh, figure out and um, and work with and work on um, to think think about other people who may be going through uh, what you are uh, only 10 times worse because they have no food, no place to live. They're separated from their families, their lands. Um, You can really apply this to any situation. Um, It it doesn't have to be that extreme, but uh, if, if you, if you've ever gone through anything uh, and I've mentioned this before on the show, um, that's been particularly difficult emotionally, psychologically. Um, take a moment to think uh, and um, and put yourself in the shoes of people who are experiencing something like that, only ten times worse. Um, and I, I think that I think that we can grow as individuals when we do that. Um, we we become uh, greater than our individual problems because we realize that uh, that we're not alone. Um, and on that note, unless we have anything else to add today, um, I think we're going to bring this uh, show to a conclusion. And I want to thank our callers, uh, Jonathan, Joe, and Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> I want to also uh, thank our chatters for chiming in and uh, and keeping the chat room buzzing. Uh, thanks, listeners, for listening in. Um, and don't forget, tomorrow, Behind the Headlines, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and next Friday, 10 a.m., uh, the Truth and Wellness Show. Health and Wellness Show. Health and Wellness Show. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, it's a good name for it, actually. The Truth and Wellness Show. <laughs> Yes, maybe maybe there's a blending of, of ideas there. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We hope you have a good week. Take care, and uh, have a good one. All right, thanks Bye, for guys. listening, guys. Bye, all.